Previously on Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules. Uh, a lot of people think that Devo disappeared after uh, their 1990 album, uh, Smooth Noodle Maps, which, uh, you know, if they had, I don't think anybody would have blamed them um, because that album was terrible. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't think I know a Devo fan out there that, that really, truly likes it. Um, you know, I think every band that's that's had a, a long career and stands the test of time, uh, you know, when you look back at it, they have at least one album that's a, that's a stinker, and that was that was Devo's stinker album. And then suddenly, Mother's Ball was doing the exact same thing. Uh, Cassell was doing the exact same thing. Where there there were kids that had uh, some uh, wild-eyed ideas, and uh, it's taken thirty. 35 years for these things to culminate to find out that uh, this stuff um, has been proven right. Mm -hmm. They did know what they were doing, even though they didn't at the time. Let's go. That's right. That was our good friends, uh, the Attery Squash, a, a British band who in 2009 released that song. Devo was right about everything. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're not the only ones that show appreciation and love towards uh, Devo and, and their concepts and, and basically kind of uh, Monday morning quarterbacking and going, hey, you know what? Those guys, uh, maybe they weren't, uh, maybe they weren't uh, so bad after all. They kind of uh, predicted all of this, um, you know. And there's uh, there's a couple of other bands out there. Uh, uh, another song that I kind of stumbled across in my research. There's a, a band called the Groovy Ghoulies. Um, no relation to the cartoon show, as far as I can tell. Um, and uh, they had a song simply called Devo, uh, which they put out in 2007. Which uh, the chorus is very similar. It just says Devo was right. Um, uh, their song is a little bit more of a uh, punk punkish song punkish sound uh whereas the Adderley, Addery squash there kind of sounded reminded me a little bit of the pet shop boys in a way um it kind of has that uh that kind of pet shop boys produced sound uh to it um but anyway uh i thought that would be a fun little uh, lead in to um part two of our look at devo here at assault of the two-headed space mules um and uh Michael Noble of clickclack.com and and I sat down uh, back at the end of August and uh, we 
um, chatted for uh, over three hours um, about Devo, and I'm kind of, ch- uh, you know, uh, editing it down, uh, cutting out some chunks, and uh, trying to make it into a little bit more of a easy to listen to format here. So um, we are uh, we're going to jump into part two here. I just wanted to do some quick up- updates and reminders. Um, that uh, you can contact the show at spacemules at yahoo <laughs> spacemules at yahoo.com uh, we are on twitter uh, at spacemules and that's all one word um, and also uh, we have a facebook page you can look up assault of the two-headed space mules on facebook and and find our facebook page um, and i post some show notes there and and updates and news and uh, pictures and links to things we might talk about on the show um, so it's a good little resource and you can interact, uh, with me, uh, there. And, um, anyway, on that note, um, yeah, I think it's time for us to, uh, to go to work. See you on the other side, folks. with commercials and they even you know they released songs as Devo um, throughout the years too um, on movie soundtracks uh, they had a you know um, uh, they had a couple they did a song on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers soundtrack uh, mm-hmm. called uh, Are You Ready um, they did uh, they did a couple of tracks for uh, Super Cop the Jackie Chan movie uh, one of which was uh one of which was a very interesting cover of Nine Inch Nails, Head Like a Hole. Uh, and, uh, I have never heard that song. Are you serious? I have never heard that tune. I mean, Head Like a Hole, of course, but I've never heard the Devo version of that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I, I find that hard to believe. But that's, that's interesting. Well, you, you know what? It is, uh, it's different. I mean, if you really like the Nine Inch Nails version, you may, you may well hate it. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, if you like Devo, you kind of understand where they're coming from with it, too.
was a huge Devo fan growing up. I mean, he's he's from the Cleveland area, so I mean that's where they're from, and they were kind of local yeah. local heroes. And uh, he, he, you know, he was a huge Devo fan, and you can hear their influence on him, uh, you know, uh, in in what he does in some ways. Um, and and I remember reading an interview with him uh, talking about that song, and he was like, "I was so excited that they were going to be covering it until I actually heard it, and it, <laughs> and I was very disappointed." Um, and I can certainly understand that too. Um, but uh, kind of a, a, a kind of a, a book a bookend to that story is uh, um, going back to their very first album. They did a cover of uh, Rolling Stones' "Satisfaction," uh, which is uh, you know kind of a, a very famous uh, cover because it's um, <laughs> it's so different from the original um, and. Uh, there's a, there's a story that uh, that Jerry and, and Mark tell about um, actually going into um, the uh, record company office uh, in New York City and uh, actually playing um, uh, the uh, the tape of their version of Satisfaction for Mick Jagger to get approval from him uh, as to whether or not you know. They could put it on their album, um, and and I don't know I I don't know if uh, you know they if if everybody does that when they do a cover, but uh, I I guess for some reason uh, they decided that you know they they needed to get his approval, and uh, so they uh, they put it in and played it for him, and uh, uh, they said that within uh, within a few minutes he was up and dancing uh, to the song. the uh, loved what they did with it um, and and in fact I uh, I believe unless I'm getting my stories uh, crossed uh, I believe he actually uh, said that he he preferred their version to the the stones version uh, really I never heard that yeah I, I've got to go back and look that part of the story up because but but that seems to stick in my my mind um, uh, a little bit about that so um, yeah so <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's interesting. You know, they, when uh, you know they they are kind of known for doing kind of uh, what they call devolved covers um, uh, on their albums. They did quite a number of covers. Uh, you know, the first album obviously had uh, Satisfaction. Um, their second album, Duty Now for the Future, uh, had uh, Secret Agent Man. They did a, a, a cover of Secret Agent Man. Um, I don't think they did a cover on Freedom of Choice. Uh, I, no, I, I don't think there was a cover on that album. Did no, they? I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember. I think everything was original on that album. Yeah. One that I I'm, did not like was uh, 
are you experienced? Ugh. Uh, you know what? I, I I hated that at first too, and it kind of grew on me a little bit. I I don't know why, but <laughs> but the you have to admit though that the video for that song is is actually kind of fun. It's hard to find because uh, uh, the uh, the Hendrix the Hendrix estate actually revoked. Um, any future use of that song. So um, when they re-released the um, Truth About De-Evolution uh, laser disc and they put it out on DVD finally, they had to take that song off the DVD because they no longer had permission to, uh, to reproduce it, I guess. It's worth seeing. It's, it's fun. I mean, e- even yep. if you don't like the version of the song, the, the video is fun. Uh, it actually features a, a, a dead Jimi Hendrix rising out of his coffin to play guitar once again, <laughs> uh, which, which, which is kind of fun. Uh, so, and, and it also features some very early morphing uh, technique. Um, and this was, you know, 1985, 1984, 1985 when that came out. Um, so very early cutting edge, uh, technology on, on that video, uh, as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they've, they've long, long done, uh, done covers, cover songs. Uh, you know, it's always interesting uh, when you hear, um, one of their covers, uh, they did, um, I actually for the Rugrats, I think they actually did a, a cover of, uh, Witch Doctor, the old uh, David Seville uh, song, um, and um, you know better than I. I have no idea about that. Yeah, and they did a they did a cover of Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini, uh, which I think was for a Rodney Dangerfield movie. <laughs> uh, what else did they do? Uh, well, they also did. You're forgetting one uh, one cover that they did um, uh, recorded on Total Total Deal. Don't don't be cruel. Yeah, Don't Be Cruel, which uh, came out at the same time um, Cheap Trick did a, a cover of Don't Be Cruel that same year. Uh, and of course... The, that that same year, really? That was the same year, yep. Huh. Yep, that was 1987, right? Which only goes to prove, as you well know, Elvis is everywhere. <laughs> uh, and you know what? 
I think that album was that year too, wasn't it? The Mojo Nixon Skid Roper um, Bodacious was that. If it was, th- would that, that be a coincidence, or was that the fates just conspiring? I've I don't know. I, uh, I think I think you might be right. I think the fates were conspiring there. <laughs> so what are we up to? Number seven on. Uh, uh, some, somewhere around there. I I feel like we've given away lots of fun facts here. Um, hey. There's nothing wrong with uh, giving away fun facts. I mean, I'm, I, hey, I'm even I'm learning something. I don't know about the audience that will. Uh, <laughs> well, I think I, most of them have probably switched off by now. But uh. oh, really? <laughs> I doubt that very highly. Um, let's see another fun fact. I've always been interested. I always wondered about uh, Mark Mother's about the classes. And um, okay. As a matter of fact, uh, when I needed to get my eyes checked a long, long time ago. Um, I got the option of uh, uh, contacts or glasses, and one of my I have I have a couple of rules in my life, and one of uh, a couple of those rules are these: uh, no sharp objects around the groin. Um, uh, that goes without saying. Yes. And another one of my rules is uh, the only thing that belongs in your eye is your elbow. Now, when when our audience hears this, a lot of people are going to be trying to put their eye into their elbow, and they'll find it impossible. Uh, for the most part, but that's why I don't wear contacts because nothing belongs in your eye but your elbow. Right. So when I went to go get glasses, I requested glasses, red glasses, no less, um, akin to Mr. Motherbaugh and Mother's Law. Hmm. And um, there was uh, uh, nobody had any. Uh, he he does his own custom glasses, and I'll talk about that in a second. Yes. But they did have in, and I forgot where I got my eyes checked and where where I got my eyeglasses originally. But they had a pair of glasses that. We're sitting around for the last three years on the shelf, and they looked, and I have pictures of it uh, up on my on my blogs and stuff of me wearing these things. They're the closest thing to Mark Mother Mother's ball glasses that I that I could. They thought they were uglier in hell. I put them on. The doctor asked, "Do you really want these? Are the dopiest, goofiest, most terrible glasses you could ever pick out? Do you really want these things?" And I said, "Absolutely." And I still have, and I still wear those glasses to this very day. Which leads me to Mark Mothersbaugh and his glasses. Not necessarily a piece of Devo trivia, but you know they're they're. It's a fun fact. It's a fun fact, and that's what uh, Devo is all about. The front man and uh, of a band and his glasses wearing them. Mark Mothersbaugh is uh, not. A, I wouldn't exactly say basically blind, but um, at a very uh, early age he uh, got his eyes checked out, and he was uh, pretty much blind. Uh, got fitted for him, and uh, the rest is history. He had started his art career when he was a young kid, and um, he uh, designs um, his own eyeglasses for a company called uh, LA Eyeworks. And there's another little uh, 7.1 trivia piece. I actually, with my printing company, um, did some bidding for LA Eyeworks. So there's the Mark Mothersbaugh and Michael Noble um, uh, connection <laughs> right there. Okay. Maybe I'm stretching the trivia a little bit, but. There you go. No, no, that's uh, that's that's an interesting fun fact. Um, I, I remember he had one set of glasses which w- looked like it was actually um, made out of an optometrist's. Um, uh, I forget. I don't even know what to call that thing. Where they uh, where you look through and they like you know number one or number two. Right. You know, exactly. It, it actually looked like uh, the uh, swimming goggle uh, glasses and all yep. those fun things. Yep. Yep. So, um, so there you go. That's a, that's a, that's a, another fun fact. 
Wine, Mark, Mother's Law. There you go. I have I have uh, one final uh, fun fact, unless you have more. Um, but uh, there is a song uh, on um, Oh No, It's Devo that actually got them into quite a bit of trouble. Um, and I don't... Do, and I'm not sure if you know about this or not, but uh, they um, they recorded a song on on Oh No It's Devo called "I Desire." got them into trouble was because the lyrics were adapted uh, from one of John Hinckley's love letters to Jodie Foster. <laughs> yep. And uh, they, they got into quite a bit of trouble with the uh, um, record company because the record company, uh, Warner Brothers, suddenly found themselves having to pay royalties to John Hinckley because he's listed as a songwriter <laughs> for that oh. song. And uh, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the the FBI was involved in in that a little bit. There was some investigation um, at that time, uh, yep. but, but they got into they got into quite a bit of trouble um, for that uh, <laughs> back back then. Um, and uh, that's a that's a really interesting, very uh, kind of dark song, uh, which is. Uh, almost atypical uh for for the devo canon um uh, but uh, uh nonetheless uh something you know an, an interesting part of their their history um and and uh you know i i think about um you know it reminds me of uh crispin glover put an album out uh in the late eighties. Um, and he, he actually covered a, uh, Charles Manson, uh, song, um, <laughs> on, on his album. And I think, I think he took a little bit of flack for that, as you can imagine. Um, but, uh, but this was, this was, uh, you know, most people don't realize that, uh, that Devo actually quote unquote, uh, in a way covered, uh, John Hinckley Jr. Uh, <laughs> on yep. one of their albums. Um, yep. So, and and not to get too political, but uh, you know, the, the uh, Devo has has always been uh, kind of social satirists, uh, uh, so to speak. But they've always been mildly. There's always been an undercurrent of politics in in their songs, um, but mostly social politics more than you know. Uh, politics proper um i think uh you know although they you know they certainly made fun of um uh you know right-wing uh folks 
you know, back in the 80s, but uh, not not as overtly, um, perhaps, as they've done more recently. Um, you know, I think uh, in 2008, they actually played a show, a fundraising show in, in Akron uh, for uh, Barack Obama. Uh, and um, there's actually a, the song Something on uh, Something for Everybody, is uh has probably some of their most political lyrics uh um which i which i thought was really interesting it was kind of a a a change for them um and actually you know the song is is kind of catchy but uh it's the song to me sounds like it's actually written from barack obama's point of view i'm the leader of the western world the big decider in the neighborhood single that they're uh that they just released um <laughs> which uh which i don't know if you've heard about or not but oh, uh, yeah. but uh you know jerry's been doing the talk show circuit uh i saw him on uh, cnbc the other night on uh was it the the ed show um talking about it and i know he's been on some other shows uh but they have a new song out now uh called don't roof rack me bro um, which which is about Mitt Romney's dog that he strapped to the top of his car back on a family trip back in 1983 um, and you know they've they've uh, obviously you know the internet trolls have been all over them uh, in the last week week and a half since they announced this song and uh, since it's been uh, released I hate politics personally yes but I think that is just awesome well, you know the thing is, uh, you know when I when I listen to it, it it really doesn't get that political. I mean, it doesn't really bash him so much for his politics. It really bashes Mitt Romney for his animal cruelty and exactly. and it his and it. To be honest with you, it was a pretty dopey song. <laughs> Go to jail 
the thing for me too that was interesting about that track is it it does not instantly sound like Devo. It, it's very bluesy. Uh, the guitar on that is like almost kind of a blues uh, slide guitar almost. Um, sound, it has that kind of sound to it. Um, and there's, you know, uh, a lot of uh, um, tambourine and, uh, you know, I could swear I heard a harmonica in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> I only heard I only heard it once, to be honest with you, a couple of days ago, and I have to go back and, and listen to it a couple of times. But yeah, it's it's not that political. It's more satire. Yeah. <clears throat> more poking fun than anything else. Yeah, ex- exactly. Uh, so, so um, you know, it it's just um, you know they're still they're still mixing it up and still causing trouble. Uh, <laughs> you know, even even now. So. Certainly not one of their better songs, but uh, it, I still had fun with it, um, and, and I think it's I think it's uh, you know kind of hilarious that uh, you know they're they're still able to uh, kind of make people pissed off with their music. Um, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's great. I think that's fantastic. You, know, you can still do that. You know, buck the system. Why not? You know, yeah, sure. You know, and uh, and that kind of dovetails back to the, their their beginnings. Um, they used to go out and. Uh, you know, back in the, the, the you know, mid-70s, uh, you know, nobody, especially in small town uh, Ohio, was interested in original music. Um, you know, they wanted cover bands. And, uh, you know, so they, they have often said that they thrived on the animosity that they created in their, in their audiences. Um, and, uh, you know, they would announce themselves as a, uh, fog hat cover band and then go up and start just playing their original songs and it would just piss people off and they'd clear the room in, within 20 minutes. And, you know, the, the, they, they talked about how they, uh, there were several club owners who would actually pay them money to get off the stage. They really seemed to, uh, to thrive on that, um, that kind of us versus them, uh, you know, mentality uh, a little bit, um, and and the thing that's interesting, and that and that's a very uh, a very punk attitude. Um, um, and yeah, there's still punk roots there. Um, you know, you had mentioned early on that uh, a lot of people considered them punk, and if you go back and look how they're categorized, there's a lot of punk. Uh, hyphenates that that describe them as well, but yeah, that's that's still um, that's still the punk attitude that, that that Devo is. So oh, for sure, that that, that, that goes without saying. I mean, um, they were they were originally considered as punk rock and, and, and new wave and all that fun fun stuff. And you know, there's all the the conglomerates of that the, the dance punk and the post punk and you know all that all that nonsense whatever it is but yep. Devo's Devo's original Devo's Devo and they still have those sensibilities and like you said if they can still do that you know 30 years later more power to them I love it love it <laughs> exactly exactly it's it's uh, you know it's a lot of fun and and um, you know uh, when you when you look at it too uh, one thing that we didn't mention um, too much was uh, you know how much of a uh, a um, family uh project uh devo really is um i mean uh dr- their uh, revolving uh drummers notwithstanding um uh over the years um 
you know, obviously uh, Mark and Jerry. Uh, you're talking about, for those that don't know, you're talking about Jim, who was a drummer. Yeah, uh, the, the original drummer for Devo was Jim Mothersbaugh, who is the other Mothersbaugh brother. Um, and, and so you've got the two Casales, uh, Mar- uh, Jerry and, and Bob, uh, who I think it was actually listed as Bob II um, originally, and, uh, and Mark... Uh, and and Bob Mothersbaugh, who's uh, and Bob Mothersbaugh is the gu- the guitar player, the main lead guitar player, um, and he was uh, known as Bob One uh, when he was listed, uh, you know, on the albums. And um, uh, you know, the the other the other part too was um, when they were making their their films and videos, um, their their father. He was uh, General, General Boy. Boy. Yeah, General. <laughs> but, well, I don't think that was his name, but it was General Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, he 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 was involved heavily, um, you know, in in uh, kind of that uh, creating that uh, atmosphere uh, of Devo. Um, yeah, I mean, even going back to their earliest film, uh, The Truth About Devolution, um, which was made in. What was that? 1976, I think that was made. Uh, um, that sounds about right. Uh, and that actually uh, won uh, that won a sp- special jury prize, I think, at the Ann Arbor Ann Arbor Film Festival uh, when that was released. They showed it there. Um, but uh, it, it's it's amazing when you when you look back at some of their early stuff, the earliest stuff they did, how consistently they've stayed on their message over the years um you know it 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 really is uh is pretty neat salutations today i feel a sense of urgency as i speak to you for devo incorporated there is a direct connection between devo's work in the music field and a big wiggly world around us you may not be aware of this but we are in the middle of world war three It is not nuclear bombs that we must fear. The weapon is the human mind or lack of it on this planet. That will determine our fate. Capital punishment for airline passengers who attempt to save money. Spudmen and gas lines who forgot that guns don't argue. And tourists attempting to catch some rays at Three Mile Island add up to a major attack of corkscrews in the brain. We must fight back. We must know what we want. We must want what we need. And what we need is duty now for the future. Now, it's funny. I think we, we've been chatting now for quite some time. We haven't really talked a lot about the actual music of Devo. <laughs> we we've, probably haven't. But you know what? I, and I hate to digress. And I know we're probably running along, but I really don't care. <laughs> I, I, um, but I, I want to talk about Devolution just for a moment. Oh, sure. Um, sure. If, if we can. Um, one of the tenets of, 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 of de-evolution, and I really do believe in this, and I, and I write on it often, and I'm, I'm going to throw a little plug in here, too, and I, I know Douglas knows what I'm talking about when I, when I get around to this, but as far as I'm concerned, de-evolution really is real. Um, we are devolving. Uh, I, I see that in, um, in uh, uh, social uh, uh, get-togethers with people, mm-hmm. in kids, in, in uh, my kids, in uh, current youth and the whole shot. And it's not me waving my cane around and telling kids to get off my damn lawn. It, it really it really is true. And here's what I'm talking about. 
last Sunday, I missed it this Sunday because I, I actually slept in a rare thing for me. I'm usually up at 5 o'clock in the morning no matter what, what day it is. Yeah. Um, last Sunday I was watching CBS uh, uh, Sunday Morning, and they had a news report on about typewriters. Yes. Now, um, you watch CBS Sunday Morning at all? Don't uh, every now and then. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I don't always uh, get up when I should. Um, they did a, they did a report on typewriters. I've owned a lot of typewriters, and, and, and I learned how to type on a typewriter when I was in high school. Yep, me too. And, uh, and, and as we all did uh, our age, um, and it was kind of cool watching this report. There is one dude. I forgot his name is Ryan Admay. Uh, he's a teacher in Mesa, Arizona. He is a typewriter freak, and he makes his students use typewriters because he has found that when kids learn on a typewriter, as opposed to on a computer, or as opposed to using their smartphone or cell phone, instead of looking up um, you know, an app for dictionary.com or whatever the case may be to correct any of their work, if they correct it at all, right. they have a tendency when working on typewriters to actually take more of an interest in their work go back and actually correct what they have done. They take up a huge interest in that he has found as opposed to um, what you uh, uh, blather out on, on a computer screen. Hmm. And I thought that was extremely cool. And I, and I mention that because that is part of de-evolution. And I mentioned that in an article that I did last week, that uh, the youth today don't, they're, they're really big into immediate information, which I never really understood. Um, they uh, use acronyms, OMG, WTF, you know, all that crap, and think it really means something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote in the article that uh, uh, they like to inject like into things, like, you know, like uh, Devo is like, you know, the, the bee's knees like, 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 <laughs> the like. The bee's that. knees. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're talking about an antiquated term. It's, I hate the word like. I hate the word whatever. As far as I'm concerned, the word whatever is a de-evolutionary term hmm. for somebody who won't take the time to formulate words into a coherent argument. It's one of those things where they put up their hand or make an L shape on, 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 their, on their forehead calling you a loser or whatever, and they'll just say whatever because they can't form a coherent thought. That is de-evolution. Smartphones, which is pretty funny, it's pretty ironic, have made us stupid, and that's part of de-evolution. I used to be able to remember names, numbers, birth dates, addresses, the whole sh- the whole shot. When yeah. I was forced finally to get my, my first cell phone, I found I could put all that information into the damn thing and forget about it. All I had to do was access it. Yep. Made me stupid, and I'm right in there with de-evolution too. It made me that smartphone, ironically, made me stupider. Hmm. So, my point is, all this blather is de-evolution is real. Devo doesn't know what they're talking about, and it's right here today. It's it's within our youth, as far as I'm concerned. I, uh, it's hard to argue with that. It really is. Uh... So I'm down off my soapbox, drag it back into <laughs> Get the off closet. My lawn. And, and and my rant is over. <laughs> yes, you're you're turning into uh, a Clint Eastwood at the end of El Camino. There, <laughs> get off my lawn. Get you off know. my dick. Get those damn kids off my lawn. Yeah, yeah, I know. He he went from go ahead, make my day to get off my lawn. <laughs> hey, 
So my last little, little request is, and like I said, I know we're running late, but this is I think this will be interesting. I want to know your uh, favorite Devo album and why. My favorite Devo album and why. Um, yeah, well, you know, it, it's changed over the years. Uh, you know, I... I kind of go back and forth I mean there's there's there are some albums I, I, well I can tell you definitively my least favorite album and I already have a smooth noodle maps is by far the worst Devo album of all time but bar none I think there's like one song on there that I can kind of stand but even that you know I think is is it sounds dated um, what song is that uh, I you know I kind of had a an affinity for um, when we do it which was kind of a, a weird, like a techno rave kind of song for the time um, that it came out. But um, that album is just, uh, there's just nothing good about it. Um, but as far as... Oh, I, like, I like Post Post Modern Man. Eh, it's not, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, I mean, it's not, it's not, trust me, there's, there's a lot worse songs than Post Post Modern Man on that album. Yeah, there are. Uh, Doghouse. <laughs> Jimmy's in a wheelchair. Uh. Uh. <laughs> well, which is kind of funny. And, you know, at, at first, the only thing that's kind of Debo-esque as far as I'm concerned is Pink Jazz Transfers on there. But yeah, that's that's a dippy song. <laughs> yeah, that, that too. Or uh, what was the other one? Devo Has Feelings too. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what in the world was that about? I don't know. I don't know. But... Uh, uh, Pity you, man. That, that's that's the follow-up. That's the that's that's the that's, that's the redheaded stepchild of pity you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so. I think so. Boy, that that actually brings up another fun fact. But I'll save that Wait for. Wait a minute. What's your favorite album? What you didn't answer my question. Well, yes. Um, I would have to say um, that my favorite album, the one that I go back to more often than any of the others, is probably. Uh, Duty Now for the Future, their second album uh, from 1979. Um, I, I kind of feel like, um, I mean, I, I was a huge fan of the first album uh, and, and obviously a huge fan of uh, Freedom of Choice when that came out. That's a, That was actually the album that got me into them. But um, there's just something about Duty Now for the Future that... Uh, um, is it's it's a more raw sound um i think um are we not men uh brian eno kind of glossed it up a little bit um kind of took away i mean the the energy is still there but i think he kind of took away some of the punk edge um of of devo uh on on that album and i think uh, by the time freedom of choice came around they were becoming much more polished and um, you know, had started to throw a little bit more of the synthesizers into it. Um, I think Duty Now for the Future is the, the best of that early bunch um, that, uh, you know, combines uh, the electronics and combines the guitar and drum sound that really drove their early, their early music. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, Smart Patrol is probably one of my favorite songs. And to see them play that live is like an out-of-body experience. Yes, uh, I agree. Uh, it, it, it is, that 
song has so much power live uh, that I, I can't even begin to describe what it makes, what it, how it makes me feel. play it live uh, you know three times three times now um, uh, and uh, just uh, just an incredible song and and you know their cover of secret agent man um, uh, wiggly world I love a lot um, uh, Dave my baby gave me a surprise I, I love that song there's something about that song that is uh, you know, I don't know if it's the um, kind of uh, uh, fake xylophone sound on that <laughs> on that song, or or what it is. It's just got a very interesting uh, uh, atypical Devo sound, but it's still Devo, and it's uh, um, you know, I, I just I there's I just love that album, and it, you know, it's got the Devo corporate anthem on it, um, and. Uh, you know, just, uh, I don't even know. I, I just really like it a lot. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, where does, where does that album rank for you as far as, uh, albums go? Well, um, you probably don't like it as much as I do. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I do like it. Um, just about all those songs. I'm not, I'm not big in the weekly world. I love clock out. I love, t- um, uh, blockhead. Yeah, uh, Blockhead. blockhead. Oh, I've 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 sung Blockhead more times and uh, and quoted it more times than I can count. Uh, <laughs> love uh, love SIB. Yes. Um, I, I'm with you on the day my baby gave me a surprise, and definitely with you on on, on Smart Patrol, Mr. DNA. Yes. Seeing them them play that live is is uh, you know you you are left um, with a hole if you uh, go to a live Devo show and see them don't and don't see them do Smart Patrol. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I've, I've seen it several times too, but I love that. It is a, a, a very worthy effort, a follow up to um, to their initial release. Uh, Are we not men? Um, uh, it, it's not my favorite though, but it, it's it's definitely in my in in you know it's up there. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where because I'm, I'm I'm pulling this stuff you know right out of my gluteus maximus on exactly where I'm at. <laughs> um, love the first album, but my. Um, my love has to go to, and, and you may find this strange. Oh no, it's Devo. Believe huh. it or don't. Okay. No, I can believe it. Um, I have. I love that album. I love every song on that album. Um, probably from the uh, Michael Noble "Too Much Information" files, I have sung, danced to, 
um, uh, bellowed in the shower to, um, posed, vogued, uh, 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 woken up in the middle of the night uh, from from nightmare singing Speed Racer. Oh God! Uh, everything when it comes to that album, love that album. Yes. Um, I think I like the fact that there is a controversy uh, in it with. Um, I desire. Uh, the I desire track, absolutely. Sure. Uh, Peekaboo. I, I I make a joke of this more than anything else. That I hate clowns. Um, clowns are creepy. I don't care. <laughs> There's no possible way you can tell me clowns aren't creepy. They are. Yes. They scare. Me. Uh, Peekaboo is one of those train wreck kind of songs and videos for me. It uh, makes the hair on the back of my neck uh, stand up. Um, it's got those eerie synthesizers in it. Uh, the video is frightening. Um, yes. I, I think that it, it's 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 a it's a creepy attraction. It's it's that train wreck type of thing where you can't take your eyes away from it. Yeah. Um, I think. Uh, uh, Big Mess is an awesome song. Yes. Uh, uh, is that everything, the, uh, everything what, on the album is just cool. That's that, that's my that's my favorite album. Yeah, I, I, I that one um, you know and and I go back and forth uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, I I've kind of settled on Duty now for the future, but uh, you know I definitely go back and forth a lot. Uh, my my top five shuffles itself <laughs> quite a bit and oh no it's devo uh held held a high spot on my list for quite quite some time i i mean there's a lot of great songs on that album uh i'm a big fan of um she's out of sync uh, oh yeah no, I, I was just gonna say that, that's probably my that favorite, song. favorite track on the album uh <laughs> you know speed racer obviously is kind of a fun novelty kind of track patterns and uh you know explosions uh the other interesting thing about that album too was that there was virtually no um no time in between the tracks yeah, uh, very exactly. little like uh and, and i only say that because uh this of course goes back in the day when um we we were listening to these albums on L, on lp on vinyl and uh used to be there was a little bit of a groove in between tracks you could drop the needle down and be reasonably certain that you would get you know uh in between the tracks and you could hear the beginning of the song but with this album there was virtually no space and uh you know one track would kind of 
stop and the other one would just kind of start and uh, there was very little time in between. There's a blip in there and that's it. And that blip doesn't give you enough time to drop that needle right on there. No, no. Um, Which brings me to another one of my get those damn kids off my lawn moments and that's MP3s nowadays. Albums like Oh No It's Devo do not translate well to MP3s, downloads, and this, that, and the other. Because when you're playing these things in your car or on small systems or whatever the case may be, whatever your your listening mode of, of choice is, they force um, uh, white space in between the tracks, which sometimes cut off one track from the other. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but I have definitely noticed it on my download from this album. Sure. Ticks me off. I if if there there was a reason that there's a seamlessness between track to track to track, and they are doing and 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 today's technology. That's one of the reasons I like to go back old school. Here we go, devolving again. Uh, today's technology does a disservice to an album like Oh No It's Devo yes. when it when it cuts uh, the last of track seven going into track eight, and it just makes its nails onto the chalkboard to me. Can't yes. stand it. Yep. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Um, there's there's something about that technology. Um, you know, and, and uh, I think it's it's one of the reasons that a band like, um, one of many reasons that a band like, uh, you know, King Crimson uh, has not put their song, their albums out on, on uh, download service or on MP3 because, because of that. They cannot properly reproduce the album um, the way it's intended, um, you know, uh, because they, they, they had a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of their albums, uh, the, the songs kind of segue into each other and, and so forth. And when you get that little blip, um, you know, it, uh, it, it, um, it just doesn't sound right. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You know, so, so yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of that going on. And I totally agree with you, um, you know, to, to that extent. And, and, and it's become a much more singles-driven um know society you know or industry i should say i mean you don't have to come up with a full album of material anymore in some ways it's kind of liberating but for bands that like to create a whole concept um it kind of it kind of stinks (laughs) in a a way uh but you know but but but, yeah that that's part of it but uh getting back Getting back to it, well, there's one more thing about this album that I really like, um, besides my gripe of, of that particular little, little bugaboo, is uh, I remember reading the liner notes on this thing, and this album really, and you talked about it, you, you touched on it earlier in the show, uh, when I was reading the liner notes of this, it really struck me, even before I, when I was taking it out of its sleeve to put it on, to hear it for the first time, in the liner notes to actually see the credits for I Desire as Casal, Hinkley, and Mothersbaugh. Um, I'm thinking Hinkley, and obviously you think of Hinkley. Well, at least I did. Right. But to actually hear the tune and, like I said, have the hackles run up, up and down your back, back of your neck, um, listening to those words and realizing what all the 
what all the uh, problems that Warner Brothers was, was going to end up having on that. You know, I was kind of surprised about that. That's yeah. that's a defining moment for me for in Debo history, in, sure. in my Debo history anyway. So, and and uh, I think we would be extremely remiss to not mention that also made an appearance on the uh, TV show Square Pegs. Uh, yep. They performed "That's Good" at uh, Muffy Tipperman's uh, bar- Bat Mitzvah. That was, you know, that was an interesting show. The waitresses did the uh, theme song for that show, so that was definitely uh, steeped in uh, a new wave uh, or gestalt, yeah. whatever you want to call it. I think it was like episode nine uh, of of the show, um, but it, it it was interesting because Devo didn't just show up and play a song. I mean, it was kind of the focus of the entire episode. Um, you know that uh, oh Devo's going to be playing at the uh, uh, at this bot at at Buff at Muffy's bot mitzvah, and you know Johnny Slash and. Uh, his friend there, whose name I can't remember. Uh, you know, they. There's even a scene at the very beginning uh, where he's listening to, he's listening to something from uh, uh, Duty Now for the Future. It's just, it might have been Smart Patrol actually, um, in the bathroom, and uh, they're talking about Devo, and there's, uh, you know, Devo posters in the in, in the background in his bedroom, and uh, you know, the, it, Devo is all over that. Um, all over that episode uh and you know i think they i think they even had a couple of speaking lines uh if i I haven't seen the episode in a a while so i'm 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 a little fuzzy but but yeah it it was uh it was a pretty neat um pretty neat little show um you know i and i it didn't last long i mean i think it was only on for like a season and a half maybe um but uh, I still have very fond memories of it, <laughs> you know, from when I was growing up. Right. Um, you know, I, it was uh, kind of freaks and geeks before freaks and geeks was freaks and geeks. So. Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the show much anyway. What's her name was on there? Who was uh, the one of yeah, the leads? Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yep. Yeah, old horse face. Sorry. Um, and and Jamie Gertz. Jamie. Oh, Jamie Gertz. That's right. Yeah. She she was Muffy. It's true. You know, and uh, the, the guy that played Johnny Slash showed up uh, later as um, Captain Kirk's son in Wrath of Khan. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Damn, gosh, I need I that set. I need it. That's right. I don't know what his name is, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, uh, so there you go. There's, there's more interesting more trivia. Tri- more, more trivia. trivia. <laughs> well. Uh, Gosh, you know, I feel like um, I feel like we barely even scratched the surface on Devo, and we've been talking about it for, for like an hour, uh, two. What I don't know how we're we're over two hours, right? We're over two hours, and we barely touch on a lot of stuff. I mean, you want to you want to mention some of the stuff that may go into a a, a 
another episode of this stuff because there's <laughs> there's so much. I mean, there's the uh, you've said it before, the Oingo Boingo connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, we already touched on uh, uh, Talking Heads. There's yeah. um, the uh, film influences. Yeah, sure. Even, you know, we didn't even get into like the uh, their appearances. We didn't even really get into bands that have, you know, covered Devo, um, you know, famously. Uh, obviously, Nirvana did, uh, you know, a, a Devo cover. They were huge Devo fans. famous cover album i have it and i don't know what it's called is it called oh no it's devo no uh, it's not called devo. it's called um, uh, we are not devo we are not devo i have that yeah yes. i have that and that's you got have? uh yes and that's got that's got some track. great stuff on aquabats around that i love the aquabats <laughs> and they and they definitely are take a lot from uh devo um in, in, you know the way that the, you know their their outfits and just their kind of um their kind of sensibility is seems very Devo to me, um, and they've even branched out into, you know, doing uh, TV shows and stuff now too. Uh, um, the, one of the main guys from Aquabats does uh, Yo Gabba Gabba. TV on that's um, the show uh, the network I forget the network boomerang or one of those weird cable networks uh, that shows mostly cartoons but um, anyway about, yeah um, it's not comedy it's uh, uh, yeah who was the band that did the uh, Spanish cur- version of, of Mongoloid was that Possum Dixon no um not Elvez. Um, no. I want to say it was Possum Dixon. Was it? it? It may very well be. I'll have to look that one up. It's in the back of my mind somewhere. El Mongoloido. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes me chuckle. And then an entire offshoot would be uh, a podcast of, uh, of Douglas and Michael's uh, Devo and Mark Mothersbaugh memorabilia that we own and or possess or, and, or have pilfered. That's a podcast right there. Well, see, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> we just barely scratched the surface on uh, 
on the on the soundtrack stuff um, and and that part of the that part of their career and we, well um, to be, be to be honest with you on the soundtrack stuff that's uh, more uh, that's more Mark Mothersbaugh than anything else he's, yeah. he's got the real career there and then and then and then uh, Bob has got uh, he's like you said he's the he's the background guy he's all the production and whatnot so yeah uh, yep kind of go from there but then there's the offshoots there's the wipeouters oh gosh i love the wipeouters albums I, or just the them. one album yeah right, uh, there's a jihad jerry jihad jerry was uh i you know uh th- there are parts of that that uh i i think are absolutely brilliant and there's parts of it that are kind of crappy uh um, smooth mood noodle map uh, rejects right yeah. yeah yeah well you know the thing is i i, I think it's it's kind of like uh, Paul uh, McCartney and John Lennon, uh, and, and sometimes uh, Mark and Jerry kind of get uh, called the uh, Lennon McCartney of, of of new wave music, um, and, and and I think that's something uh, you know we could agree on. But when when you when you take one apart from the other, it's not the same. Together, I think they they. They can create some really great things, but apart, um, some of their own uh, self-indulgent uh, interests kind of side uh, waylay them a little bit. Uh, I think, especially in Jerry's case, uh, I think, um, and, and I love Jerry, uh, but uh, I, I think sometimes he gets a little self-involved and self-important on on some things and. Uh, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that uh, the uh, "Don't Roof Rack Me Bro" song could use a little more Mark uh, Mark's influence. I think um, uh, there are parts of that song that uh, I'm just like, oof, I cringe a little. But then there are other parts that are just like, oh, this is really catchy and I like it. Uh, so, you know, and and uh, the Jihad Jerry album was a lot like that. I think there were there was there were parts of that album that I thought were great. I love Army Girls Gone Wild. She gonna put you in position. What happens in the Abu Ghraib stays in Abu Ghraib. Yeah, right. Couple of uh, he, he basically covered Devo on a couple of, a couple of songs too, um, and to uh, varying degrees of uh, of uh, um, of success. I think um, he did he covered uh, the, the that infamous uh, "I Need a Chick" song, um, and uh, "Find Out" I think was another one that he covered on on that too. Um, but then there are a couple of stinker songs like The Owl and Beehive, uh, <laughs> which I could have done without. Um, but uh, yeah, It's all part of it. They can't all be gems, Douglas. No, uh, they can't. No, they, they, can't. 
they can't. But you know what? When that album came out, it was actually uh, it was kind of a nice uh, present for uh, long uh, drooling uh, Devo fans for for any any kind of Devo related music. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, because the, the the last thing was the Wipe Outers album um, in uh, 2000, which I thought was a brilliant album. I love that album. Um, you know, it's kind of like uh, Devo meets uh, Dick Dale surf rock, uh, <laughs> and uh, it, I just I just love I I played that album to death when it when I first bought it. Um, so uh, that actually reminds me, I'll probably dig that out tomorrow and, and give it a listen. Um, that's that's a that's a great album. Um, you know, you know what I really dig in this is uh, obviously there's Devo influence, but it's Mark Mothersbaugh. Is um, I don't know if you have one. It's one of the one of the pieces of memorabilia that I have. It's uh, um, damn it, uh, it was the cassette. The um, what's it called? Music for Insomniacs. Oh, right. Yes. The, the original gold cassette that came out. Do you have that at all? I, I do not. I uh, I kind of missed the boat on that one. The cassette was a gold cassette. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic music as far as I'm concerned. I love that stuff. Right. It came with a um, it came with a deck of cards. Right. You know that? Have you seen it? I haven't seen the cards. I, I heard that it came with a deck of cards, yeah. I'm going to have to post them all for you because I, I, I just so happens I have them. I don't know when I did this, and I have a, I, I've told you that story about meeting Mark Mothersbaugh at, at Comic-Con years and years ago. Right. But yep. the, the deck of cards are all photos of Mark Mothersbaugh hmm. as the king, the queen, the jacks, all the numbers, oh, the jokers. Wow. Smoking hats, interesting uh, crowns, the whole shot. It was just awesome. Huh. And I got him to sign all my aces, and the uh, the A in Mark is uh, the A in the ace on the cards, which is he, he did that all on his own. It was kind of funky. Interesting. But, uh, it, came, it came with that deck of cards. It was all in uh, Japanese. Uh, the case is all in Japanese. Huh. And it just so happens I found another set. Of cards, the original tape didn't even look like it had been pay- played. The box was, the packaging was a little bit beat up. I found one at a garage sale. These things go for a couple hundred bucks now. Yeah, easily. Um, yeah. I found one at a garage sale for fifty cents, and I picked it up. <laughs> oh my god, nice, nice. I uh, and, and it's funny because I had an opportunity at the time to buy volume two, and I just for whatever reason I didn't buy it. And then right. it was one of those things where I kicked myself from here to, you know, next Thursday, uh, you know, not not having bought Music for Insomniacs Volume Two, and uh, I finally uh, I finally got it on off of eBay, um, but uh, I don't remember how much I paid. I don't think I paid a huge amount. I think I, it was under twenty bucks. That was good because it's going for upwards of 80, 90, 100 bucks easy. Oh, yeah. At least what's last time I saw it. Yeah. That's yeah. just one volume. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, fortunately, I, I think I got it cheap because the uh, it was it was a little beat up. Um, you know, the 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 packaging was a little beat up. But, um, you know, I put it into a new jewel case and, you know, cleaned it up a bit and it, it looks fine. So. Good to go. Yeah. Uh, and 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 the and the main thing was the CD played uh, played well. So. 
I don't know. Do you like that music at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, to a, to a certain degree. It's not something I'll pull out and listen all the time, but um, if I'm in the right mood, I, I definitely do it. I think what's interesting to go back and listen to it now is you can hear things that have come afterwards that were obviously very influenced. These were like early versions. Um, and I can't remember the name of the track, but there is a track on, I think, volume two that is very clearly uh, a, a rough early version of what became the Rugrats theme. Right, precisely. That's that's the cool thing that I was going to mention. There's, there's little tweaks and you can hear a lot of stuff that uh, marks influence on uh, on later works mm-hmm. uh, that, that clearly came over from um, from the uh, from the studio recordings and stuff that went on to become. There's one track on there that I that did, and I may just be pulling this out of thin air, but I can hear stuff that uh, came out of have uh, having trouble sneezing uh, off of uh, one of the Volume One tracks. Right, um, and uh, that, that's what's cool about that because you see the you know that you see the uh, primordial soup of, 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 of tunes later on that come out of some of this stuff and that's why I think those are so interesting mm. yeah I, and I, I think uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting when those came out too was um, there were instructions on the uh, on the uh, in the liner notes that um, the way that the album was mixed was it was mixed interestingly in that there were um, uh, distinct, uh, m- musical tracks in the left and right channels and uh, there are instructions in the liner notes to uh, adjust the balance on your stereo t- all the way to the left or all the way to the right um, for uh, to get the most out of your CD so that you could hear um, the, the music that was in the left, uh, the left channel, and then you could hear all the music that was in the right channel, and then you could play it together um, and, and hear them combined, uh, you know, for the, for the final product, uh, for the final uh, piece of music. Um, so I don't know if that was just kind of a, one of those loony uh, <laughs> Devo marketing uh, things that they, that they like to do, but uh, I, I always thought that was amusing um, <laughs> that they would um, ask you to do that. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. So. There you go. So uh, what we've learned is that we've barely scratched the surface, that so we've got the uh, tip of the iceberg. There's still lots to talk about. Yeah, there, there sure is. You know, uh, even, you know, some of their uh, movie appearances and so forth, um, you know. Yeah, we've been talking about one of my favorite dopey tracks, Dr. Detroit. I love Dr. Detroit. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about uh, Dove, the Band of Love. Dove, the Band of Love. Yeah, where they would—they actually uh, were their own uh, opening act. <laughs> they, uh, there may be a reason we didn't talk about Dove, the Act of Love, the Band of Love. Oh, but no, you never know. I—I I don't know. I—I—I I, I think it's kind of a, an interesting uh, concept. <laughs> you know, Boogie Boy, who used to be the Devil Boy has been reborn, uh, and he's coming out tonight, people. He is here tonight, and he is coming to sing with Devil. Boogie, wherever you are, come on out here tonight. uh. There, speak to him, Boogie. 
Well, I kind of equate that to uh, XTC's uh, Dukes of Stratosphere a little bit. Yeah, uh, perhaps. In, in, in that in that way, I don't know if you're you're aware of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I was I, I was not a huge kind of XTC. That to that, so. Yeah. But it's still cool stuff. Yeah, but but that's uh, that's one thing they they used to come out and uh, be their own opening act, and they would come out as Dove, the band of love. And now, of course, Dove is an anagram of Devo, uh, yep. and they kind of position themselves as a uh, right-wing fundamentalist Christian rock band, <laughs> which was actually funny considering uh, you know I think they play they actually played uh, the song "Praying Hands" uh, <laughs> from the first album. Um, Did they ever release anything? Uh... They, I don't believe they ever released anything uh, as Dove the Band of Love. But um, I was reading an interview with, gosh, I want, I, I'm trying to remember who it was. It's uh, escaping me at the moment. But uh, they they talked about watching, uh, they, and it was at one of those big music festivals like the Us Festival or something where Devo played, and they actually, they came out as Dove first and played a few songs before they came back as Devo, and um, whoever was being interviewed, and I don't remember who it was, and I wish I could remember, but they talked about how they came out and performed, and then, you know, these uh, these uh, guys, the roadies came out uh you know, they changed clothes, they reset the stage for Devo, and he said, I was looking over and I was realizing that it was actually the band members of Devo themselves. They had gone backstage and changed clothes so that they looked like roadies and came out and set up their own equipment and then went back and changed again to come back out as Devo. Uh, <laughs> so they had like this, they did this whole like charade, this whole show uh you know um as as themselves uh you know but but they were pretending that they were like two separate bands plus their own roadies part of the fun of being in a band <laughs> so it was uh it was a really uh kind of an interesting insight and this was you know back when uh freedom of choice was out and they certainly didn't have to do that they could at that stage of the game they could certainly uh afford to have um, you know, a, a, a crew who could do stuff for them. Um, so it, just, uh, just an interesting, uh, tidbit there. And, and, uh, one of my favorite, did you ever, did you ever see them, Douglas? Uh, no, I never no. did. No. I never yeah, saw that era. I, I wanted to go see Devo in that era. Um, in the, in, you know, around 1980, 81. And I had classmates who, who went to see them. They came, they came here to Albany and, uh, for whatever reason, I, I, I don't know. If I uh, was probably just a little too young, uh, you know, for, for, for my mom's taste to, to be going to a concert. Uh, you know, I, I was probably, I was in, let's see, I would have been, I would have been like seventh or eighth grade probably. So I think, I think I was still just a little bit too young for my mom's taste to, to allow me to go out to a concert um, at, at that stage of the game. Um, so I more than made up for it in college, though. <laughs> I, went, I went to everything that came to town. But yeah, I, that, that's, that's an era of music that I really wish that uh, I had, you know, I was just a little, just a little too young to see some of the, 
some of that stuff uh, when it was happening, you know, to see Devo in their prime back in, you know, 80, 81. Uh, you know, just, I, I never saw Talking Heads. But uh, anyway, I feel like I'm petering out. It's after 1 a.m. here on the East Coast, so... Yikes, give it up. Let's say goodbye by <laughs> parting words. <laughs> All right. Well, on, on that note, uh, I'll, I'll, let you, uh, I'll let you finish up. Um, do you have any, any last words or any last uh, little tidbits you want to get out? Um, off the top of my head, no. Only that uh, I, I will agree with you and what we said a little bit earlier is that uh, I think we really only touched on Devo. Um, uh, we've kind of opened the door here a little bit. Um, if we were going to do another, uh, if you were, or and I, or, or somebody else is going to do another another podcast on it, I think uh, there, there's just so much information on them that I think you'd really have to narrow it down to exactly what you're going to talk about with regard to, with regard to the bands because yep. there's so many different directions you can go, and we kind of proved that with this podcast. And that, <laughs> you know, we took we took off all over the place and just touched on uh, quite a few things, right? Um, without, without really uh, concentrating on one one specific item and. Um, there's plenty of information there. They can't say that about too many bands, as far as I'm concerned. No. Uh, but Devo is one of those ones where there, there's a lot of dichotomy going on with this band. Mm. Very true. So uh, that's Very what true. I have to say about that. Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I'll kind of echo that. I, I mean, I think, um, you know, there, there's, there's that long-held perception that Devo is a one-hit wonder band and they disappeared after 1980 uh, whatever in 1982 probably uh, but uh, they uh, they really had such a far-reaching influence uh, they were they were under the radar uh, in a lot of ways but they were in your face uh and and i and i think it speaks volumes that anytime uh somebody wants to shorthand the 80s you almost always see a clip of uh, of devo almost always uh you know um, anytime in a commercial when they want to try to portray the 80s there's always a clip of uh of devo or or there's some reference to devo uh even in um the great uh um graphic novel watchmen uh there's a devo reference um you know uh and uh you know there's uh, they they're just a far-reaching uh uh, influence. Uh, you know, we, we barely talked about the videos, but their their influence on music videos was huge. Um, their 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 influence on the sound of the music that came after them uh, was huge. Um, you know, just uh, just uh, it, it's it's hard to really quantify um, Devo in in a way that uh, that makes any kind of sense um and so for that for that reason i i think they're they're really up near the top of you know my favorite bands of all time and and i, I think I, I would agree with you as as pioneers as a band itself as an innovator um and uh and they and they keep on going they keep on going too yep and they're they're still still stirring the pot uh even now uh so you know, I I think uh, I think the fact that uh, bands like Devo and uh, you know um, Rush and King Crimson uh, 
are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just kind of shows what a sham the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame really is. Uh, so, uh, you know, every year they, they kind of seem to, uh, to prove how worthless they really are with the, the bands that they nominate and the bands that they overlook. Um, so, uh, I guess that's my little soapbox moment. <laughs> on, on that note, I think we'll, uh, we'll say goodnight, uh, and, uh, so long, farewell, uh, and, and all that, uh, happy California out there stuff you can i'm not making any sense anymore <laughs> oh yeah but uh, you will make sense if you just uh, echo my sentiment and say uh, duty now uh, yes duty now for the future uh, fellow spuds and uh thanks for tuning in to another fine uh well i should say uh, more than one fine episode because this is definitely <laughs> going to be split into pieces uh but 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 thanks for uh for uh putting up with our uh, ramblings here about devo um, yeah. and, I'm sure uh, everyone has swelling, itching brains at this point in time. Uh, I know mine is. Uh, it's it's certainly swelling and it's certainly itching. I'm not sure if it qualifies as a brain anymore. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of praying hands out there that will uh, want to secure us just finally in this thing. Too, so. <laughs> You're turning into Kipadata here, uh, so. No, I had a gut feeling. You just don't. <laughs> Come on, shrivel up already. All right. Well, I have a a certain uh, sudden uncontrollable urge to uh, press the stop button here. So uh, I think I will. Well, that's always a freedom of choice, doesn't it? Oh, Jesus. Would you stop? Oh. You're going to make me cough up blood or something. Uh, I wish you would. Well, you know, it's just a matter of getting some satisfaction. Already, you you blockhead. Okay. All right. All right. All right, on that note, I I think we will clock out. Two-Headed Space Mills is copyright 2012 by Douglas Arthur for Dougside Syndicate. You can contact the show by sending email to spacemules at yahoo.com or follow us on Twitter at Space Mules. And you can also head over to Facebook for the official Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules fan page for all the latest news, updates, and photos. And don't forget to check out Cafe Press slash Space Mules for all of your Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules swag. T-shirts, hats, coffee mugs, you name it, we have all the highest quality merchandise you can shake a Zuni doll at. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Don't forget to tune in next time when you'll hear my brother say... Oh, Dad! <laughs>